first of the month? Yes. The first of the month. And uh, uh, Jennifer was part, is part of the intercessory team, and they were praying earlier this month. They were praying for our city. We've been praying for the city since we've come here. Uh, and I'll share with you just a little bit a little bit later about how God brought us to the city. And some of you have heard the story, but i got to just kind of lay it out for you tonight because I believe what's happening in this community right now is a pivotal point, not just in the city. You know, sometimes sometimes we forget, you know, we're just living life. And then an event that happens, that doesn't just rock this city, but what's happened in this community is rocking this whole nation. Not only this nation, but the events that have transpired over the last month have gone all the way around the world. And uh, it's, a cru- it's a crucial time. It's a crucial time not just in the cities. It's a crucial time in the church for us to have some real honest, open dialogue, to talk and to seek to understand one another. And uh, we can't make a difference. This little group right here, if we can get this, what God's, gonna put, what God's put in my heart, what God wants me to share tonight, we can make a difference in this community. And Jennifer, I want you to just to share what, what happened. You guys were praying, and it was... I understand it was a very powerful prayer time. Why don't you just share with the people what God did um, spoke to you during that time? It's kind of hard because it was more of a progressive work, and there are just so many details that I can't really explain. Uh-huh. But um, we were praying, and the power of God just, just came down. And um, the Holy Spirit was just on me really, really strong, and he had me to lay hands on everybody that was there. And he spoke to me and he said, transform, you know, for each person. Then um, Christina, you know, I mean, God just really used her. And she got a word from God that um, said that there would be a young black man that would crack the heavenlies, I guess maybe, and um, cause change. Here. Now, this was the beginning of the month, the very beginning of the month. And we Nobody had, knew about I mean, this had already happened, but none of us, we, none of us were aware of this event, right. really. Because right. we've, had, we've had other killings and shootings right around this church here. Mm-hmm. Since I've been here in the last eight years, there's been a number of them. So it's not like it's, I mean, honestly, it's, it's not like it's the first time we've had a, a killing or a shooting of a young black man in this community. And so for me, I mean, that... You know, it's it's a horrible thing, but things happen sometimes frequently, and we don't even give it a lot of thought. So, at least in my understanding, and I don't think in your understanding, I don't think there was really any any relevance to that word at that time. No, mm-hmm. she, and as a matter of fact, she she mentioned a gun, um, and I'm trying to remember because, like I said, so yeah. many other details. Well, um, we had a real powerful you know prayer meeting, and you know we laughed at and. Um, so when we found out what had happened, and it was just all over the news. Um, How long did you guys pray for that night? Three, three hours, three and a half hours. Three and a half hours, and we're talking. Yeah. We're talking prayer, not yeah. this. We're talking communicating, connecting in a in a real deep, deep. Yeah. Deep I mean, we 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 couldn't leave. You know. You we, had to pray. We had to pray. We couldn't leave. Um, and fast forward to this past Sunday, you know, and I still hadn't put any of it, you know, maybe sort connected of a little bit, dots, but I yeah. hadn't connected the dots until after service Sunday. And um, there was Janet Nieves that was there, too. And as we were leaving the service, at the very end of the service, even after your, you know, after your sermon and everything, you know, we still hadn't. Yeah. But Janet walked up and she said, well, what were we, pray- what were we praying for? And... 
all of a sudden it just hit. I mean, we were all together, and the power of God just fell again. And I was speechless, you know. And all I did, all I could do was pray. And um, I don't remember exactly how long I was there. When I opened my eyes, I was in the sanctuary by myself. <laughs> but um, I remember the Lord saying that um, we shall be a mighty nation. And exactly who we are, I'm not exactly sure, but in the light of what's going on, I know, because we've been praying for the community, that we will be a mighty nation. And um, that he began the work and he'll finish it. God began to work. Yes. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had more conversations about race, about this issue that's happening right now in our culture that probably I have in my whole lifetime. And for most of it, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable area because we just don't want to go there. And that's probably part of the problem for the last how many ever years in our culture and our community. Kenny came to my office today and he said, you know, I can understand. He said, we had a little conversation about it and he talked about how the Jewish people can sometimes identify with the African-American community in that the Jewish people for thousands of years were persecuted, were slaves. They actually, the whole Old Testament is written by people who were taken into slavery. And uh, when I, as a young man, I was in my 20s, I, went to, I was in college, and I watched a movie, it's called Schindler's List. And when I watched that movie, and I wouldn't recommend it for anybody, but it, it was very graphic, but when I watched that movie, for the first time in my life, I understood you know, Jewish just by blood, by by faith. I'm a born again, blood washed, Holy Ghost, tongue talking, you know, Spirit of God, man. But from my mother's side of the family, my grandmother, they're Jewish, and for the first time, I had some sense of identity of what it was to have have this identity with this people, with my people. And we all come from a different line, you know. But we're such a hodgepodge of culture, community, you know, because America is the most integrated nation in the world. It is the most integrated nation in the world. And uh, years later, I went to the Washington, uh, D.C. Holocaust Museum. And something in there, uh, the Jewish people uh, never want the world to forget. They don't want the world, and they don't let the world forget. They're not going to let the world forget what happened. There were six million Jews systematically murdered, but there were millions, millions of African Americans that were captured, brought over as slaves to this country. Their families were broken up, and they were sold into slavery, and they were, and I mean, just the heinous things. And I've heard people say things like, "Well, they just need to get over it and move on with their life." And I thought, "My God, how insensitive! How just you're not thinking, you're not thinking, you're not placing yourself where other people have been." I want to talk about that tonight. We're over the coming weeks, and I don't know where the Lord's going to take. This is an uncomfortable topic to talk about because. Generally, in the church, we just want to love one another, but we get into the voting booth and we have our certain ideologies and our concepts and our beliefs, and we vote certain ways. And the fact is, evangelicals generally, by a large percentage, vote Republican. African Americans, whether they're born again believers or not, they, they typically vote Democrat. And be, there are certain reasons. There are reasons why these things happen, and we don't really like to talk about them, and it's not even comfortable for me to talk about it tonight. But I think, I think that what God wants to do in us. Because it happened here in Sanford. Guys, this didn't happen in Lake Mary. I mean, it could have happened in Lake Mary. It could have happened in Orlando. But it happened here in Sanford. And I believe that God, I believe that God in His sovereignty has allowed this event to come to this community 
Because in Seminole County, in this part of Central Florida, Sanford has always kind of been considered the stepchild. When I moved uh, to, to Orlando, I'd never heard of Sanford, obviously, but when I moved to this community, we lived in Altima Springs, and uh, we were here for about two or three years before I think I even never knew there was a Sanford. <laughs> I mean, Sanford wasn't a destination on my map that I was looking to, to, uh, to go to. And uh, by God's sovereignty and by his plan, God brought us to this city. I've got to be really honest with you. When I first came to this community, I didn't know anything about it, but the only thing that I heard about Sanford was what good can come out of Sanford. I mean, that's the reputation. That's what people said. That's what people said in this community that lived outside, you know, really in Altamont, Longwood community. That's the kinds of things that people would say. And, and so I had no other idea or perception of the one I'd heard people say. And when I first came here for the first couple of years, I really struggled with the fact that we were, as a church, we're in this community because it really wasn't in my plan. <laughs> it wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't part of my agenda. But God has begun to do something in my heart over the last several years when I begin to really understand, especially when God began to move sovereignly in our youth ministry. About four and a half, five years ago, we saw God do something in this city that's never happened before. We're seeing a revolution of young people. You can go over there tonight, you'll see 150. We were, up to, we were over 200 in there for quite a while. And uh, even this last weekend, where we had, uh, we had our young people for three nights and one Saturday gathered together to seek God. And there was a divine visitation on this campus. You weren't there, you missed it. I wish I was there. I don't know why I missed it, but I missed this. I'm usually there. But God sovereignly visited this campus. And young men and women were delivered. And we had a couple of testimonies of two young men, uh, minority young men, who stood up on Sunday morning at the Millennium Campus and, and then Glenn said, you know, what was happening in your life? Well, I had all this hatred and anger towards my dad. And one young man said, I was smoking pot all the time and doing drugs. And Glenn said, what happened? He said, I'm free. And then he goes, and I feel so clean inside. And, I'm like, and, and that's the testimony of literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people that have passed through the doors of this church. I begin to realize that this church has a special mission in this city and that the name that I thought that I chose wasn't chosen by me, but it was chosen by God because we're to be a church of this city. We're to be a church of this city. I want to, I Jennifer, I want to thank you for coming up tonight. I want to get to go to the youth ministry. But I want to thank you. Let's give Jennifer a big hand for sharing that for this tonight. But I want to share with you tonight. I want to talk and we're going to, you know, I'm, going to t I'm not just going to talk. I'm going to preach and yell at you a little bit too here in a few minutes. But we are going to talk tonight. I'm going to talk to you. This Sunday was really a life-transforming event for me because, I mean, really, for the first couple of weeks, I was like all of us. I was really kind of oblivious to this. Uh, and about two and a half weeks ago, three, week, three weeks ago now, uh, on a Sunday afternoon, a friend of mine from Orlando, pastor of Evangel uh, Evangel Assembly of God, he, he calls me on a Sunday afternoon. He says, have you heard about this shooting in Sanford? I said, well, really, I haven't heard anything about it. I mean, I just want to describe to you. A few minutes ago, it was another killing. It's a tragic thing that happened in our community here. He said, you know, man, it just smacks of injustice. He goes, it just doesn't seem right. It seems like they're covering something up. So that was my first identification of something that was happening here in this community regarding this issue. And uh, last Sunday, not this Sunday, but the Sunday before, we left, and we were gone for several days, and I turned on the news, and I started seeing all of these reports. I saw... CNN and Fox News and all MSNBC, and guess where their cameras were at? They were in Sanford, Florida. 
And they were talking about this issue. They were talking about Trayvon Martin, this young man who was shot and killed. Just not too far from here, right on 46 and just, just a little bit of, uh, uh, east of I-4. And I was shot and killed. And people were interviewing and talking about this case. And like they say, it's gone viral now. And uh, this last side.
We're the most we're the most mixed culture in the world, and our church is the most segregated place still in America. I want to show you this video. I want to talk to you about what God's done in my heart over the last couple. Uh, Pastor Rico told me on, thir- on Wednesday morning, Pastor Spirit of Truth, African-American pastor right here in town, he said, I've had two family members in this town shot and killed. Two family members in this town shot and killed. And both people, the police told their families that they didn't have enough information. They didn't, ha- they, they didn't have enough to make an arrest. Didn't have enough. I don't know about you, but it just seems odd. And so for someone to say, can't you just get over it? When we still have these kinds of things that have been undealt with, I, I just I think we've got to just step back. I think we've got to step back and begin to look at this in a little different perspective and begin to have some conversation and begin to, to talk about it. See, we pray for the family. We pray for justice. I want to read this verse to you. I want you to hear this verse in Proverbs chapter 20. It says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord fully understand it. 134 times in the Bible, God demands His people to practice justice. It, it, it isn't just enough to say, hey, we're, gonna sw- we're just going to move forward. Justice has to be dealt with. The fact is tonight that God is a God of justice. God's a God of justice. Every man will stand before God. There is a day of judgment. There is a day of judgment for every person in this room. You will stand before God for yourself. And the Paul said, you will be judged for every work you've done. Every person. Every person. Psalms 133 said, How blessed it is, how blessed and good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord, for there the Lord pours out his oil like he poured out upon the beard of, uh, of Aaron, and it, like the, the dew that round, runs down Mount Hermon. For there the Lord commands blessing and life forevermore. That night we prayed for the family, we prayed for justice, we prayed for unity, and we prayed for the leaders of our city and our nation. This situation that we're experiencing right now has got the potential to be very volatile, extremely volatile. Because the fact is right now there's been a lot of things that probably weren't dealt with in the past. You know, I've read both sides and I read the Orlando Sentinel and I'm reading the news about it. And the fact is it doesn't really matter what I think or what I believe right now. There's this, there's, this, there's this thing that's undealt with in our community. And we as a church, we as a church have a message. We as a church have a message. And that message is blessing. And that message is hope. And that message is love. And that message is forgiveness. And that message is truth. And that message is justice. We have a message. We have something that this world desperately needs right now. And we have an opportunity as a church and as a community to make a difference. And the difference isn't voicing in our opinion. The difference is calling upon a God who will hear and answer our prayers and heal our land. You see, there's a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas. And Monday, uh, Richard and myself and Pastor Harlan uh, from down on 13th Street, my wife and Pastor Glenn went down to the, to the uh, community, uh, uh, what's it called? City Council meeting. We went down to the city council meeting, and I got to hear, I got to feel, I got to see, I got to sense a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, 
lot of injustice that's been done and dealt with. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm broken right now. So I came, I had no idea that I would be in Sanford, Florida. I'm born in California, raised in Arizona. I go to Seattle, Washington in my first three and a half, four years of ministry. I started a church with another pastor from my two white boys, two white boys in an all-black community in, central, in the central district of Seattle. I didn't know what I was doing. I, did, I used to walk around with a great big T-shirt on my front, and it said Saturday Safari. It was the name of our children's ministry. And on the back, I had this great big X, because Malcolm X was really popular then. And it said X Center, serving Jesus 24-7. And every Thursday and Friday, I went and knocked on doors in that community. I knocked on every single door in that community. And over the next three and a half, four, five years, and we came to this community, and we started going into the neighborhoods that no one else wanted to go in to pick people up, to bring them so they could hear about Jesus. God changed my life in that time. Because God began to help me understand that there's a different way. There's a different way that people look at the world. And my way isn't always the right way. And the way that I grew up and the way that I learned and the people that I was taught by wasn't necessarily the right way. And there are people that have different experiences. And the fact is every morning you get up and you look at the world through a different prism and a different lens than the person next to you because of your life experiences. I want you to turn your Bibles tonight to Jeremiah 29, chapter 4. 29, verse 4. And we're going to read this together. And this, is what God, this is the vision that God gave me for the city. The reason that I want to talk about this tonight, because on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel this morning, this was the question. Sanford's in it, imaged. Sanford's image forever tarnished? Question mark. Sanford's image forever tarnished. i got to tell you tonight, that's not the final report. This Orlando Sentinel isn't the final report. Because there's a group of people at 650 East Airport Boulevard that believe a different report tonight. Come on, there's a group of people at 650 East Airport Boulevard that believe their lives can make a difference in this city. And the reason that we've gathered together as a people is because every single one of you have heard me preach this message so many times. We've been called to bring God's love to this city one person at a time. You've heard me preach that many, and you are here because you believe in that vision. And if you did it, and there are families that have come to this church because we have too many minorities, and on Wednesday night, too many kids that don't look like their kids, or they come from different neighborhoods that didn't stay in our church. But you stayed. And you stayed because you believed in that mission. And now because of that, we've gathered together, regardless of our race, our color, our social economic background. We said, we're going to unite. This is the group right here. This is the core team. This is the people that represent this church. And we represent what God wants to do in this city. And when I was in Seattle, God gave me this verse. And it was the very last message. And I have not preached this message. As a matter of fact, I don't even remember what I preached on this message. But this was the message that God gave me. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 4, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This is what the Lord, this is not Eugene Smith's opinion. Ten times. As a matter of fact, I don't even know how many times. Because it either says, this, in the NIV it says, this is what the Lord says, or this is what the Lord declares over and over and over and over again. This is what the Lord says. I am not speaking right now. God Himself is speaking in this room to you. 
This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all. I want to say to all. To all those I carried away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylonia. This is what the Lord God said. Your steps tonight have been ordained of God. You are where you are right now because God ordained your steps. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26, it says, From one man, from one man, he made every nation. Do you know in the Greek the word nation is ethnos? The word nation is ethnos. You know where we get the word ethnic from? From nation. Every nation, every ethnic group came from one man. That they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them at the exact place where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. All of us come from different places. All of us come from, some people were born in Sanford, but most people that live in Central Florida didn't, didn't come from Sanford. The nations of the world and where you were born and the day that you were born and the time that you were born was predetermined by God. And God, through His sovereignty, has allowed your life to be orchestrated in such a way that you find yourself here today. Your steps have been ordered of God because God has a mission for you. God has a mission for your life. You just showed up, well, I think I'm going to go to this church. I think I'm going to come to Orlando and start this church. And I think it's going to be called City Church. And we're going to do church this way. We're going to try to do church this way. And all these plans that we have, and the Bible says that a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. You plan this way, and then as you started going this way, God directed you this way. You didn't even know God was directing you. See, God ordered your steps. He purposed you to be here today. God purposed you to be here today. So you're here today. So you're here in this community. So you're here in Central Florida. Now what do I do? Now what do I do? I'm living in this community. What's my life about? What's my purpose? What is my great purpose in life? Rick Warren did that series a while back. We did it at this church a couple of times. The purpose-driven life. You know, that's the great question that every man has. What is my purpose on this planet? Why don't you look at the next two verses with me. Look what God says. When you go to this city, this is what you're to do. You're to build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Listen to this. Increase. Everyone say increase. Increase and number there. Do not decrease. See, God's commanded us. When we go into community in a city, God's commanded us to build. Build houses. To plant. Plant vineyards. Plant crops. Get your children married. You see, when a believer goes into community... When he goes and he begins to live the believer's life, what God wants to do in his life, God wants to favor him. God wants to bless him. God wants to bring increase. As a matter of fact, go there and increase, but do not decrease. Listen to this. This is God. God commanded him. When you go to this place... 
build and plant and marry and give in marriage and give increase. Produce increase in your life, but don't decrease. You see, God's created us as believers to be the head. God did not create any man to be underneath another man. The reason that slavery was such an abomination, the reason that segregation was such an abomination, because it took away the freedoms and the rights of another individual. And it was an abomination to God. My mother used to always say when I was a little bit, the reason that we have race problems in America is for 350 years. 350 years we took advantage of, we captured, we sold, we bought other human beings. And we are eating the fruit of previous generations. Don't kid yourself. Whatever a nation sows, they shall also reap. When a nation sows murder of little innocent babies. Listen, when a nation sows the blood of innocent babies, God is not happy. God despises it. What a nation sows, it reaps. Praise God that there were 40 people in this room tonight crying out. Praise God there were 150 people. Because for the prayer of one righteous man, God will hold back his wrath. For the prayers of one, the effectual fervent prayer of one man, Elijah. One man prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years. We say, well, that was some old guy. But no, 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 you didn't hear the rest of the verse. He was just like Bruce. He, he was just like Warren. He was just like Daniel. He was just like Marcus. He was just the man. He had the same propensities to fear, to weakness. When Jezebel said, I want his head, he went running off scared like a little chicken. He was just like us. But he got a hold of God. He began to pray. Three and a half hours, intercessors, praying, seeking God. God would do something. There's a crack opening in this city. And there's a lot of people really eager, but there's a group of people who believe in a living God, who have changed hearts. I stood there Monday night and I listened to person after person expressing their anger, expressing their sense of injustice in our community, not just in our community, around the nation, but one pastor. One pastor got my attention. His name is Pastor Mirtha. Pastor's right down, not too far from here. I don't even know the name of the street, but not too far from here. He's been in this city. He was born in the city. He's pastored for over 35 years. He got up to that microphone, and he said these words. And the moment he opened his mouth, the love of God just poured out of him. You could just feel it. You could just feel the love of God. I hadn't felt a lot of love in that room. Isn't that right, Richard? When Pastor Mirtha opened his mouth, he said, when I gave my life to Jesus 35 years ago, so when I gave my life to Jesus, he said, I got a new heart. And he said, the first thing that God had to heal in my heart was hatred for the white man. Isn't that what he said? And he was saying it, and it just went, you just feel the love of God enter into that room. You just feel the love of God. There are groups of people. We're not the only church in this community. But we can make a difference as a belief, as a group of believers. See, we understand that we've been preordained by God to come to this community at this time to this city. God has a mandate for us. God has a mandate. God has purpose for you to be planted. So many people think the church is optional. So many people think they can just go anywhere they want to go. It's up to them. It's their choice. And they just got it all wrong. God has a place for you. I tried this one time. I tried this. I thought I could just choose whatever church I wanted to go to. 
So my wife and I moved to Seattle. I was footloose and fancy free, and I could just pick my church. And so my wife picked some church out of her phone book and kind of did the finger thing, and well, we'll try that church. And I showed up at that church, and uh, I walked in the door, and there was a bunch of weird people there. I mean, they were weirder than us. I mean, they were really weird. As a matter of fact, they were so weird that I came in, and there was these two girls up at the altar, and they were, like, rubbing their necks up against each other. And Laura had, you know, they had a prayer. It was a pre-service prayer, and she was down on these praying. And I'm, I got, like, one eye open. I'm like, these people, there's something not right here. This place is weird, really weird. And after about ten minutes, I'm like, got the heebie-jeebies. And it's like, what are they doing? I'm hearing screams and just... I don't know. It's just weird. It was weird to me. And I've seen other things since then that were weird too. But that was really weird. And I just got. And the guy got up and said something weird. And I said, "Let's get out of here." I come to find out that that church was an offshoot of a church, one of the largest churches in Seattle at the time, where the where the senior pastor started teaching a thing called spiritual connection. And basically, it was just his permission, his permission to sleep with other women in the church. That was that was it, and so he was sleeping with seven, eight, nine, ten other women in the church at the time, and uh, it was happening all throughout the church, and obviously there was you know there was dev- that the end fruit of that was total devastation, but that was an offshoot of that. So that was the first place, and then we drove down the road, and we found another church, and the parking lot was full. Cool, there was a full church on Sunday night, and so we walked in there, and, and everybody was dead silent, kind of like you were a few minutes ago when I was getting really serious, and everybody was really. Cool. I mean, were, but they all had their they all put their Bibles at church. Oh, my goodness, they brought their Bibles. That's a novel idea. And everybody had a novel, a Bible, and everybody had a notebook. They were taking notes. And he was preaching off the overhead. He was talking, and he said something about throwing out a lifeline. And my wife leaned over and said something to me. We're, we're talking about 20 minutes late into his preaching, 15 minutes late into his preaching. So we've already missed their songs, already missed their announcements. And my wife runs over and says something to me, and this guy turns and he points right at me. And he says, I know that you're visitors here tonight, but we do not talk in this service. I'm like, she was the one who was talking. That's a true story. And, you know, I'm, I'm still in my 20s, and I have way more self-control now than I did then. And I got a puss God, what are you doing? That's what I did. I went out the door and I kicked the door. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> you know, I know you can't believe I did that, but I really did do that. And then God showed me that I was the priest of the home. I was the priest of the home, and I was to get down on my knees. And I got down on my knees and I said, "God, where do you want us to go to church?" That's exactly what happened. And my life, my destiny, was changed because of that one decision to humble myself and pray, and ask God where He wanted me to be planted. And then I went to this church. And then I met a young man who had a vision and a passion to start a church. And we linked together. We started this church in the inner city. And some 20 years later, here I am in Central Florida, pastoring a church, city church, all because of that one decision, one decision to pray, God, where do you want me to go to church? Where do you want me to go? See, because when you begin to seek God and you begin to plant your life, so you begin to plant every community you go into, you just... One of the biggest mistakes that people make is they think they're, they're looking for the next place to live or they're looking for the next job to go to or they're looking for the next person. They're looking for the next place and they move from place to place. One of the things that will guarantee that you will stay in poverty and you'll never get ahead is just keep moving around. 
Just keep changing jobs. Just keep changing spouses. I mean, all the things that people do in our culture. God says, I called you. When you go to that place, you are to plant. You are to build. You are to plant. You are to eat the fruit thereof. You are to have children. You are to marry. Your children are marry. There's something powerful about that. I mean, even just statistically, in our culture today, there, there's a book called The Millionaire Next Door. And uh, this, the whole concept of this book is that the millionaire lives right next door to you. You just don't know it because he drives a, he drives a Buick. He drives a Buick. He's had the same wife for 35 years. He's lived in the same house for the last 25. I mean, you don't recognize it. And that's the average. And they own a small business. I mean, all these different things. And it's, you know why? Because they, they moved to a community and they built a house. They built a house, and they planted some seed, and they started a business. They started working in a career. They had children. They taught their children to have children. See, that's the heart of God. And we as a Christian community, we model that. That's what we model for a world that's broken. That's what we model for a world, that's what we model for a world where divorce is just kind of the, you know, it's the norm. I know many of us have come out of broken marriages and situations, but now you're born again and you're saved and you're in the church and you're serving Jesus and you're in a healthy church and you're in a place that loves Jesus and that doesn't have to be your destiny again. Come on, amen? Amen. So I want to continue reading here. Listen, you bloom where you planted. Your families were ordained of God. You believe it's, your, it's God's will for you to increase. You believe that. Look at verse number 7 here with me. Look at verse number 7. You've got to see this tonight. Also, so, you're to increase and not what? You're to increase and not what? You're to increase. You've got to look up every time that God says increase in the Bible. Every time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. The Bible says God created Adam and Eve, and He said it was good. He says, go and be fruitful and increase. Increase. And when I say increase, we all like increase. Amen? We all like to see our bank accounts increase. Amen? Come on. We like to see our mutual funds increase. Amen? Increase. We like to see our housing values increase. Everyone said amen. We don't like decrease. Look at verse number 7. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of that city. Seek the peace and the prosperity of that city to which I've carried you into. Pray. Now, here's the deal. So we're to seek what? We're to seek what? And we're to seek what? Here's what happens. Pray to the Lord for it. If you seek the peace and prosperity of a city, if you pray to the Lord for that city, we pray to Sanford. We don't curse Sanford. We, there's a lot of curses going on about Sanford right now. I mean, I just saw it on the news today. Some, one of these talking head pundits, one of these, you know, Americans, Americans prophets, pagan prophets, you know, good old South, the same old. They don't know this. They've never even been to this town. They don't know anything. But they're speaking curses about this town. But look what God's called us to do. When you go to that city, pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, what happens? If it prospers, you too prosper. That's an obeyer. So guess what? We stand down there on Sunday night. And we're not joining with the rhetoric and the crowds of people that are screaming curses and yelling. And we're, we're praying blessing. 
We're praying the peace of God because the things are ever going to change. Prosperity and the blessing of God have to come into this community. But it's only going to come because the people of God pray. When you go to that city, pray for the peace. This is not my opinion. When I call a prayer meeting, I'm asking you guys to come. And I know you think it's just another thing Pastor wants me to do. I'm serious. Because our prayers make a difference. And I know it's just two or three sometimes can make a difference, but there is power in unity. There is power in agreement. The more that join together, there are more that are for us that are against us. There are more that are for us. And we begin to pray and we release the presence of God. And there are nations around the world right now experiencing. We're going to go to Cuba in October with some of the men of our church and whoever wants to go. And we're going to go to Cuba and we're going to see a church. A church of people who believe in the power of prayer in their nation. And guys, we're getting reports that we're going to get to see firsthand. We're going to have a missionary with us next Sunday who's built hundreds and hundreds of churches around the world. His name is Joe Cruz, and he's going to be with us actually this Sunday. And he's going to share with us what God is doing in Cuba. And oh, in 2010, the church in Cuba knocked on every single door in that country, in a communist country. Well, they're not free to practice a religion. They're not free to say whatever they want to say. You know why they did that? Because they are praying for the peace and the prosperity of the nation. Because I believe that one day you will see Cuba fall, the hand of communism fall. And you know why it won't fall? It won't fall because America did such great diplomacy. We've been, we've had the most goofed up diplomacy with Cuba for the last, we can't even explain why we, why we still have anti-trade laws with them. I mean, we trade with countries that are way more oppressive than Cuba. And we don't, it don't even make no sense. We get locked into our paradigms and traditions and mindsets. But there's a group of people that are praying for their nation. There's a group of people that are praying for, for Castro. They're, they're not cursing Castro. They're blessing Castro. And what happens, and we as believers do exactly the opposite of what God says, when we start to curse people, we feed into the lies of the enemy. The Bible says that you are to bless. Paul told the church in Rome, bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. And we start to voice our opinion about people and about presidents and start saying all kinds of negative, critical things. We're not speaking blessing. We are commanded not to be Republicans or Democrats. We are commanded not to be part of any political party. We are commanded to be followers of Christ. People who would be people of great blessing. Come on, someone said amen. Pray for the peace of this city. If you want it to prosper, if you want the situation to change. You know, you go to work every day. Most people have an adversary relationship with their boss. Most people have some, there's this tension between management and labor. It's how we got the right and the left and the communists and the socialists and the, and the free enterprise because there's this tension between management and labor. There's always this kind of rub. My dad used to say the labor without representation gets abused every time. And he was a union stop ship shop steward. He was the most conservative guy I ever knew. And he would build bombs for a living. He'd vote Democrat every time. But he had the most conservative values of anybody I knew. It was amazing. I said, Dad, you know, if you keep voting Democrats in, they're going to stop voting for things that make war, and then you're going to be out of a job. I mean, you know, I'm just getting, come on, we're getting bare wire in here. We're being honest here. I'm getting uncomfortable in the room. It's truth. We can say whatever we want, but our first calling in this life, our first calling is to be followers of Christ. 
follows what Jesus said. Then you pray for this city. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Look at verse number 8. This is what the Lord, this is not Eugene, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. If you pray for the peace of your city, it will prosper. How many of you want to see Sanford prosper? Come on, how many of you want to really see Sanford just get good blessed? How many of you want to see red, yellow, black, and white? Love to see the churches come together in this community and we just have God show up and guys that once used to be a bomber are now a blessing? Come on. Guys that once used to be on drugs, now they're drugged out for Jesus? Come on. Don't we want to see that in this community? Amen? When was the last time you prayed for your boss? Boss, when was the last time you prayed for your employee? When was the last time you prayed for your employee? Employee, when was the last time you prayed for your company? If your company succeeds, you get to keep having a job. <laughs> People just think a paycheck like grows on a tree. And I, I feel that. I have 25 employees here, and I feel that sometimes. And I think people think they just, it grows on a tree. How does it happen? It falls out of the sky. Church money just falls out of the sky. And how do you think it happens? Our school system, our school, Seminole County, which is we're in the second most prosperous county in Florida. You know that? Seminole County is the second most prosperous county in Florida. And our school system, Seminole County Public Schools, is strapped. We're renting Millennium Middle School. They can't even change the light bulbs over there. They're strapped. Brother Richard, $20 million in the hole. They're strapped. They're strapped. Come on, let's stop cursing the public schools. Let's stop cursing the government. Let's stop cur- we know we're living in desperate times. We know gas. Oh, that's a reality. But so what? You live under a different set of economic rules. You live under the economic rules of the tither. And some of you still don't tithe it. You don't believe me, but I'm telling you, Malachi chapter 3 says this. Bring all your tithe. This is a command. This, thus saith the Lord. Bring all your, your first 10% into the house of the Lord. And then guess what he does? God will command a blessing upon you and he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He will rebuke the devourer. You live under a different economy. You're under God's economy. Your, your economy is not determined. Years ago I heard a missionary tell me he, he, to China. He said, listen, he said, I went out, I was out in this village and the, the, the Christians were out there. They had no way to get food. They were completely isolated. And he said, I went out to this one little orphanage, and he said, these kids that lived in this orphanage, an angel had come to them and told them, if they go down to this water pond every day, they'll be able to fish. He said, I went down to that water pond, and he said, the water was only this deep. He said, I go down there, and I said, how are you guys? And they were pulling magically, they were pulling fish out of that water pond. You know why? Because they lived under a different set of economy. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they had no way to provide for themselves. And what did God do? God brought manna. They get up every morning. They had six days working on the sixth day. They were stored for the seventh day because they weren't supposed to work on the seventh day. And when they got tired of manna, oh, it's always manna. It's always manna. It's always meat and potatoes. It's always carrots. It's whatever you get. You know, it's always rice and beans. It's always rice. God says, oh, right, you bunch of complainers. What do you want? I'll give you some and all of a sudden they got more the Bible actually says they had so much meat to eat it came out their nostrils you live under a different economy you live under a different economy we understand but if the city doesn't prosper you don't prosper so what do we do? we pray for the city so when we're praying I'm serious about this I'm really serious we're praying he said in my prayer meetings you know and I come out and I know it's a handful of us and just make it once a month guys 
come on, you could do once a month for me. I mean, I mean, once a month you could pull away from the TV set on the Saturday. Once a month. I know you come Sundays. I know it's good. I'm not trying to put condemnation on anybody, but you are a Christian. And in the early church, they went to the, you are a Christian. And in the early church, they went to the church every single day and prayed. And sometimes they did it three times a day. Oh my goodness, they were so committed. That is so, no, no, we live it. I got all that. I'm, I'm sensitive to everybody. I'm, I understand. I'm a good pastor. I love it. I want you to make sure you feel okay today. I don't want to hurt your feelings here. But come on, man. What's a month? Help me out. Let's, let's call on God together. Let's believe for the peace of the city. Let's believe for the prosperity of the city. Let's believe that we've been called to be a blessing and not a curse. Let's not just join in with the crowds. And I don't care what color you There's people on the right and people on the left. They're going to get all worked up. And we want justice. And I don't under, you know, I don't have this all figured out. God's going to sort this out. And none of us, unless we get called to a grand jury to sit on some kind of trial, none of us, our opinion matters anyway at this point. I mean, really, if you really think, I mean, we all have opinions, and I get it, and I understand our freedom, and I thank God that I live in America, and that's why I could stand out there Sunday night in front of CNN and ABC and the AP News that went around the world, and I could boldly proclaim a four-point message, and I preached the gospel, and it came out of my heart, and it just flowed like a mighty river, and it was just the anointing of God. I, I could have never done that on my own, but I stood there out looking at a note and just boldly declare the kingdom of God in the city that we've come to be a blessing and not a curse. We've come to be people who bring peace and prosperity, not cursing and damnation. You see, we have a mission in this city. We have a mission in this city. I've got to be done here, but I want you to hear this last verse. This is what the Lord says. I mean, over and over and over, this is what the Lord says. This, verse number 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And you guys know this verse. You know this verse. Listen to what he says here. God promises. This is the promise. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. For I know the plans I have for you. Kelly, I know the plans I have for you. First thing. Russell, I know the plans I have for you. Kenny, I know the plans I have for you. Linda, I know the plans that I have for you. Mike, I know the plans that I have for you. These are the plans that I have for you. That's what he says. Plans. And, he, and God just, not only does God just say this, God declares this. This isn't just like, this is, this is, okay, I want really good for you. This, this is what I declare for you, says the Lord. I mean, this is God Himself speaking to you. He wants you to get this into your heart, into your faith, into your spirit. This is what the Lord declares. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You see, the devil would come into the city, and the devil would say, you know what, you've sinned too many times. You've messed up too many times. But God's grace comes to this city and says, well, My grace is sufficient for you. The devil would come into the city and say, You are never going to prosper, Sanford. But God would say, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. The devil would come to this city and say, You were born into the wrong family, with the wrong color, with the wrong pedigree. But God says, I have given you a new name and I brought you into a brand 
new family, the family of God. The devil would say to you, listen, you will never change. God says all things are passed away, but all things become new because I've made you a new creation. The devil would come into the city and say, you're a failure, Sanford. You're a failure, Eugene Smith. You always blow it. You're a loser. But God says, I have a way to make you prosperous and to give you good success. That is, if you meditate upon my word day and night, the devil would come to you and say, you don't have the right gifting. But God says you are special and made to completely fulfill his purpose. The devil would say to you, you're always an addict. God says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The devil would say, I can't. God says, yes, you can, because the promises of God are yes and amen to all that belief. This is Bible 101. Bible 101. He just wants us to believe. Can we make a difference? Four things I want to give you. Four things. Seek the blessing and prosperity of the city. Don't curse the city anymore. Join me. Be careful. Be careful what you say about the city. Be careful what you say about other people. Be careful what you say about the president. Be careful with people that you disagree with ideologically. Be very careful. We can have discourse. We can sit down and have, we can have honorable conversations and discussions. Others might not do it, but we can lead the way. We can lead the way. We can lead the way. I'm not called to be a divider. I'm called to be a uniter. Come on, we're called to be blessed. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Thus say the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs shall be the kingdom of heaven. Come on, join me. Seek the peace. Seek, I mean, just seek the peace of the city with me. Seek the blessing of God. Seek the prosperity. Speak blessings and not curse. Listen to First Peter. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Hey, there's a goal. Can we pray for that one? Let's pray for harmony in this city. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Be sim- this is not me. Thus saith the Lord. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Everyone say blessing. But with blessing. Because to do this you were called. You were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Look at verse number 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Stand up for what is right and just. Isaiah says, learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Seek justice. Isaiah 117. Seek justice. This concept of justice, this is Bible 101. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the single child, the uh, the single home child. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. You know we have hospitals in America? You know why we have educational centers in America? You know we have those? Because the believers that came here in the very beginning wanted to make the world better for another person. That's, that's why we have them. You go to Haiti today, almost every child in Haiti is educated, not in a public school, but in a Christian missionary school. Almost every single one. My sister from Haiti, correct? Almost every single child. You know how that happened? Because there were some people that wanted to defend the cause. Defend the cause. To seek justice. Seek justice. We must be people of justice. Simply tell others. Here's the final thing. Simply tell others the message of Jesus. This is my favorite verse. One of my favorite verses about Jesus in all the Bible. This is what Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And when he ran doing good, 
He went around doing good. Aren't we real Christ in that we're called? Christ ones, exigents. Went around doing good and healing all. He didn't, he didn't segregate people by class. He didn't segregate people by creed. He didn't segregate people by color. He went around doing good and he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. That's the message of the gospel. All whosoever will. That's the message of City Church. Whosoever will. We're going to stand in the gap. Right now, guys, you know, if if my people, there's a big if there. If my people. Because there are terrible things that could happen. I mean, if this thing, if this is inertia and emotion and pent up anger and feeling begins to explode in our nation. It cannot be a very good thing. We know that. We're kind of oblivious to it because we have our own little world sometime. But let me tell you, I was in Seattle, Washington, when Rodney King, Rodney, Rodney King, when those tapes went around the world, they went viral at that time. And I was in Seattle when police were on horseback riding. I was in the inner city. I was in the inner city, and I know the tension. And Seattle was spared, but much of L.A. was burned down. And I was born in the 1960s in Los Angeles. Watts was burned to the ground. It was literally burned to the ground. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. It takes one spark to start a fire. It takes one snowflake to start a to start an avalanche. It just takes one. But we can stop. We can stop the adversity of the enemy. We can stop the curses. We can stop the negative momentum and energy that Satan is throwing against this nation. And we can see God do exactly what He said He would do. Because there have been so many prophecies and so many promises of God's people rising up in the last day and standing in the gap. Standing in the gap on behalf of the people and of the nations. And what I believe, I believe we had a prophetic word out of this church. I believe those intercessors that were here in this church on a Sunday that prayed for three and a half hours, they got a word from God. And you know what's happening right now? The whole world, the whole world is being beamed into Sanford, Florida. Isn't that weird? Come on, isn't that weird to anybody? And we can make a difference. Come on, stand with me right now. Guys, I'm so on. Hopefully, I'm just... I don't even know what I am. Filled with God, 